Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Amber Furman, and this is episode 16 of the More Than Corporate podcast. So I'm super excited for today's interview. Today, I'm interviewing Corinne Kivett. Corinne and I met in March of 2019 when we first started going through the NLP journey together. And Corinne has just become fascinated with the way that the mind works and has incorporated that into her business. And it has shifted the direction that she's taking her business and her future. And I'm super excited for her to share with you how her idea of success has changed throughout the years, how she has entered and left the financial industry and is really trying to be as true to herself as possible as she moves forward. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into the interview with Corinne. Corinne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I am so excited. So Corinne and I met um, back in March of this year, 2019, in our NLP training. And I think both of our lives have kind of taken a whirlwind in a better direction since then. So I'm super excited to share her story with you all. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about what it was like for you growing up and kind of what led to where you're at now? Yeah. So growing up, I've always been a really good girl. (laughs) I've been a really good kid. Um, I had a really good childhood. Um, I just started to notice that as I was, you know, coming into my adulthood, that I was a little too good um, in the sense of being a people pleaser. And uh, I just followed the rules. I wanted everyone to like me. Um, I was a really happy, happy kid. I I still am a very happy person, a very positive person, um, which I think draws people in. Um, And I learned to people please. And throughout my adulthood, I started to see how that really shaped me. Um, It shaped me as an amazing person. Like I am the person that I am today because of that. However, there were things that I was doing that I was abandoning myself for other people, Um, being a people pleaser, doing things to get people to like you in the end serves them and kind of leaves you in the dust. So 100%, 100%. When was it that you kind of started to realize um, that you were people pleasing? And then the second part of that question is when did you realize it was a problem? I'd say early on, I started to realize. I listened to, I'm like personal development queen. Um, okay. I'm, I'm 27, but I say for like literally my entire life, I've listened to um, Jim Rohn, uh, Les Brown. Like I've listened to all these, all these guys. So I've really been into personal development. Um, I like to call it self-discovery rather than personal development. So I like I've, that. Yeah, I've been on a journey of, really looking within myself and discovering what I am all about. So I'd say early on around like into my late teens, I really started to see it. Um, And then as I started to really go out into my career, I'd say around 22, 23 is when I really started to notice it because I was in a career 
that I was really unhappy. Um, and I didn't really know why it was almost like, like, cause I chose it. I chose this career, but why was I so unhappy? And then that's when I realized that I was really doing it for, you know, for other people. Um, so that's when it kind of smacked me in the face. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going down this entire career path for really justification outside of myself for someone else. And what were you doing at the time? What career was it? Financial advising. Okay. Advisor. Mm-hmm. How long did you do that? I did it for four and a half years after graduating. So I got my bachelor's in finance and then I started working at a financial planning firm right away. Okay. So a couple of things that you talked about that I want to touch on. First of all, I love the um, self-discovery versus personal development. I think that that's so amazing. Um, We hear people talk about the personal development junkies that will go to every seminar and read every book and it just stops with that reading or going to the seminar. That next step of taking that into a self-discovery section and figuring out how it specifically applies to you, I think is the most important part of the personal development journey. Yes. It's like we miss it way too much. It's literally the key. Can you identify a particular reason that you chose to go into financial advisor? I know you said you did it for you, but it didn't feel right. Was there a reason you chose that career? Yeah. um, There are a couple reasons. One, well, I guess first, before I say this, um, I'm really good at math. So I'm, I'm a whiz with math. So I was like, okay, I like doing math. I'm good at math. So I was actually going to go into engineering. So engineering was kind of my path. Um, money was always a huge focus. It's always something that I've been taught to focus on. You want your career to be lucrative. Uh, so I thought, okay, I'm good at math. Engineering for women especially is huge. And then I started taking the courses and I was like, this is not math. I don't know what this is. This is not math. (laughs) And then I I recognized, okay, I have a family full of entrepreneurs. We had at the time three family businesses. So I'm like, okay, they're all entrepreneurs. So I can go into finance and then I'll kind of figure out what I want to do from there. So going through finance, um, all the courses, I liked all of them. I was good at them. It was relatively easy like going back to being, you know, younger, I was the good girl. I always got A's. I graduated with honors. Um, and I just figured I'll, I'll do this. I like it. It makes good money. And I'll kind of figure out once I get into the actual financial advising, I'll figure out if it's something that I want to do. And I did. And it's interesting getting this question because even at this point, like at this point in my life, I knew when I took the first job, that it wasn't for me. I knew. Um, And the interesting piece about it is that even though I knew, I kept going further. Like I even got my CFP. So I even got my certified financial planning certification. Um, And I did that in six months. Usually people do it in 12 to 24. So I I did it because I was like, this is what you need to do to get to the next level. Like I want to be a wealth advisor. That's That's what you do to get to the next level. You push to get there. And the entire time now I can see that I was abandoning myself. I was doing it for the title. I was doing it for the money. I was doing it because this is the direction that I thought that I was supposed to go in. And I think that your um, history with wanting to please people um, attributed to why you kept going. Oh yeah, definitely. Can, Can you kind of explain why a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, initially I did it because I was like, oh, well, this is, um, 
like really good for my, my family. Like it's not in alignment with my family. And then it was like, okay, I already have the job. So now I need to get like the better job. And since I was already in it, like people already saw me as this. So if I were to leave, how, how would that look? Like, how would I be able to explain leaving and leaving in the sense of not even knowing where I was going to go? And granted, like, I have to tell you this, the entire time during this, like on the side, I'm constantly researching health stuff, like personal training, like working out. Um, I'm really into holistic medicine. So I have like a plethora of books that I'm reading. So everything outside of work is like what I'm actually passionate about. And then I'm going to a job that feels like my soul is being <laughs> like destroyed because if I left, what would that mean about me? You know what? That's so crazy that you say that because it's so important. Um, we tend as people to um, select and identify as a particular thing. And so for me, it was being an attorney. So when you talk about this identity and, you know, this is who were you without your financial planning, like that's so important um, to really focus on because I think the next steps of what you did are um, crucial to anybody listening to this podcast. So my next question is, what did you do to give yourself permission to change? Or what was that push? Um, because I, I believe, and I, I could be wrong, but I believe that there's always something that pushes us out of that spot. And, um, that realizes that we have the permission to change, that we can give ourselves the permission to change. Was there a particular event that occurred that you were like, okay, this is it. I can't do this anymore. Yes. And it's, it's, I'm getting chills while, while you asked the question. Um, it was, it was gradual. When I was at Merrill Lynch, I was really unhappy and I was in an environment that was, that was extremely negative. My friend invited me to, I don't know if you've heard of the Landmark Forum. So my friend invited me to one of her guest nights and I went and I had already known that I was going to do it. Um, I'm spiritual and I believe that when the universe presents you with multiple opportunities of the same opportunity, that that's, that's a sign. So I knew right away that I was going to do it. Um, the first session that I took it, I got really clear on my life and what I was doing. Um, I actually went to my boss at the time and told him, hey, I realized that like I made this choice to be a financial advisor out of people pleasing. And, you know, even though it was my choice, I, I didn't choose it powerfully and I'm choosing it powerfully now. So I like literally told him I'm choosing financial advising powerfully now. And he didn't really know what that meant. <laughs> I did, <laughs> but I said that to him. And then I actually did the next course the following month. And that's when I just really saw that for the past two years, like I've known that I've been abandoning myself and I've done nothing about it. And I got really sick of the story that was in my head that I couldn't leave. And I got sick of that story that was replaying over and over again. And I went in that Monday and I, it's actually a really funny story. And I want to share this really quick. When I went in on Monday, I was going to talk to um, our head department. I was going to talk to him and tell him that I was leaving and he actually wasn't there. So a piece of me, when I was going, a piece of me, the little itty bitty shitty committee in my head <laughs> said, Oh, just do, do it tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. Like, don't worry about it today. Just do it tomorrow. And then that's when, I, that's when I felt the true power. I was like, no, I'm doing this today. 
I, I need his number. I need his cell phone number. I'm, I'm calling him today. And I left. So you actually went out of your way to make that phone call, not just be able to have that conversation in his office because it was convenient at that time. Yeah. That's I'm amazing. Great, I'm grateful that the universe did that because I think over the phone, it's a lot easier. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Was, yeah. For sure. Um, I feel like that's why people call into work sick over the phone yeah. all the time. Like, Exactly. I mean, as, as a kid, I mean, I never did that. I never called in sick when I wasn't sick to any of my former employers who may be listening. Yeah. Um, that never happened. But if I did, it was over the phone. Um, so I want to ask you, um, you, so you leave financial planning mm-hmm. and you go into fitness. Is that right? Um, a little bit. So I left the way that it works is I, or the, what happened is I left financial planning and then I had pretty much no idea what I was going to do. Um, I actually ended up partnering with a company, a direct sales company, and we focused on, um, holistic nutrition. So that was something that was introduced to me. That's something that I'm currently still doing. It's a side business that I run. Um, but what happened is I quit. I was introduced to that. I joined it. And then I ventured off to Thailand for three weeks by myself. And then I got my yoga teacher training certification because yoga just always called to me and I felt like I really needed to get in alignment with my body and my spirituality. And that was just an intensive, um, felt in alignment for me. That's amazing. So how long did you do that type of, um, fitness, um, holistic medicine or nutrition. How, how long did you do that before you decided that you needed to make a change? Um, so I was doing that for, like I was teaching yoga off and on. I was doing um, the direct sales off and on for about, what, October, December, for about like four months. And I started to feel like there was something more, like there was something more, something more. Um, yeah, and I just, I just felt like I was being called for more. Um, did you kind of have that same feeling that you had when you were in the financial field or was it a different feeling? No, it was a different feeling. This time it was like really carving out what I'm called to do here. And I'm still in that a little bit of figuring that out of what my real passion is and mission is while I'm here. Um, but it was, it was kind of at this point where like, it wasn't the yoga and it wasn't the direct sales. Like I knew that holistic nutrition was going to be a part of it, but I was really interested in the mind. Once I read, um, or I found out about Joe Dispenza, I read one of his books actually while I was still, um, last year and I read breaking the habit of being yourself. That's when all the personal development stuff, I started to get it. Like, it's the, it's the mind. The mind is so powerful. And then that's really where I was introduced to NLP and learning about the mind and the unconscious mind and the body and integrating the two of those is the path that I'm, I'm really on. That's amazing. And, you know, for anybody who hasn't gone through that, um, I, I suggest that you at least look into it because whether you're doing it for business reasons or personal reasons or spiritual reasons, like it's so powerful to understand how much your mind actually does and how 
in control you are of your life and how much you bullshit yourself on a day-to-day basis. Like being able to call yourself on your bullshit is probably the most important thing that I've taken from that training is to be able to step back and say, okay, Amber, you are full of crap right now. Yeah. It's the most empowering thing that we can do. Like I believe, um, that it is our right to be empowered. And that's truly empowering when you can pretty much be like your own coach, when you can look at yourself and say, who's, what mind do I have right now? Do I have the mind that I was taught from childhood to like people please, or do, am I going to stand in my own knowingness of what I'm capable of? And do you find yourself um, falling back into that people pleasing mentality and having to push yourself out of it? Yeah. And yeah. how do you do that? Do you have any um, resources that you fall back on or, or what is kind of your routine when you need to recheck why you're doing something? My routine is to pause. Like that's my routine because as um, a child, I was, I was, I don't want to say passed around, passed around sounds, you know, negative. I was the firstborn and everyone wanted to see me. So we, my mom and I are the family that goes around and sees everyone. So we're very busy, like seeing everyone. And now I'm seeing how in my life, I literally create that. I literally create that because that's what I learned. So now I learned to pause when somebody asks me to do something automatically in the past, I don't be like, yeah, I'll be there. And then I was like, okay, wait, am I saying yes because they want me there? Or am I saying yes because it's actually something that I want to do with them? 100%. I love that. Um, I think we all need to have that thing that we check ourselves with because whether it's um, you with people pleasing or me, I found out that I hibernate. Like Mm -hmm. I convince myself I'm tired when I'm not to like get out of going to places I don't want to go and doing things that I don't want to do. And when I start feeling tired after having a full night's sleep, I know that something that I'm doing in this realm is not serving me, that, yeah. that I need to figure out what it is that I'm doing because my body's telling me that it's not right. It could be that I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone and my body's trying to protect me or my mind is trying to protect me, or it could be that um, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing and it's not in alignment with what I need to do. But being able to separate the two is what this journey provides for us that I didn't have before we started going through it in May or in March. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm so intrigued by the piece that your body will constantly speak to you. Like that's what, what I'm on really this mission for is to get people in alignment with their body. Like your body's going to be speaking to you up here. Like we have so much going on all the time. This knows what's going on. So right. that you checking in at night of like, okay, wait, I'm beyond exhausted. What happened today? When did I abandon myself? When did I X, Y, Z, whatever, and really self-analyze. So that way you can implement whatever you need to implement into your routine, consciously do that um, to really have you feeling your best every day. And then there is also like an unconscious aspect to it. So once you're consciously seeing it, then you can unconsciously work with yourself. Okay, what's the perp? Like, what's the purpose of this? I'm continuously doing this. What's going on? Like, my body is telling me, my body is giving me the symptoms that this is a no go, and I'm pushing past that. What's up? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we have that little voice in our head. We've been taught so much through societal norms that we should quiet that and push forward. That that little voice is our doubts and our fears and all of that, and we shouldn't listen. And 
100% that voice is our doubts and our fears, but also 100% that voice is kind of our guiding light and our, our direction and where we should be and what serves us. And when we quiet it, then we kind of lose ourselves and we just keep going down this path of society's idea of success. And it leads us to financial planning and law school. So yeah. I think of it as like the angel, you know, they have like the angel and the devil, like on each yeah. side. I think of it as like, there's a lower frequency that I think about and that's all the negative stuff or the stuff I can't do that. I've never done that before. Like I can't, I can't or whatever. And then there's also like your higher self who's like, wait, there are unlimited possibilities. I'm capable of anything, whatever, whatever, you know? So we literally have like a different vibration and consciousness. We can be aware of what is actually the lower frequency and what's our higher frequency. Absolutely. And something that you said before um, about it being the way that you were raised is so important too, because we don't realize how much little things impacted us when we were growing up that, that now have a huge defining um, impact on what we do as adults. And it could be something so minor. Um, I was very similar to you in being the only grandchild for mm -hmm. a long time and the oldest. And even until two or three years ago, when I would go home, I would have my list of people I needed to see. And I felt like I was constantly running because I put it on me to go visit everybody because I felt bad if I didn't get around to seeing everybody and separating yourself from that and saying, okay, like this is not the way that trips home should be. Why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Is so important. Yes. I'm so intrigued by how people operate and how we ourselves operate because you know, there's also someone out there who they continuously have people coming to them. Yeah. They never go out to anyone, but they continuously have people coming back to them. Yeah. So that those energy shifts are so interesting to me. Absolutely. So I want to give you a minute to talk about kind of what you're doing now. I know that you're making kind of a career change and forging this new path in what you're doing with your life um, over the last couple of months. But I think it's so fantastic what you're creating. And I would love to give you an opportunity to talk about that for a minute. Thank you. Yeah. What I'm creating... It's really a space for people to show up authentically. That's really what I'm about. Um, for people to get really clear on their truth um, and be able to communicate that and feel empowered. Um, I think in order to get there, we have to work through a lot of shit. Excuse my language. No, go ahead. <laughs> Do a lot of deeper inner work to reveal our shadows. And when I say reveal our shadows, reveal the things that are maybe not so pretty, the things that we hide. Um, and it's less about revealing them to other people and it's more about revealing them to ourselves, to reveal the darkest part of ourselves to ourselves and still love ourselves through that. It's, you know, you can, it can be really easy to go into like, let me share all about myself to everyone. You know, let me share my story, which is phenomenal. I love people sharing their stories. We got to get really clear with our deepest part of ourselves and love ourselves whole and completely in that. And then once we're there, anything is possible in life. So there's so much about what you just said that I absolutely love. Um, but I think 
the biggest thing is the way that you describe self-love about just getting real with the darkest parts of ourselves because everybody says you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else, but nobody talks about how to do that. Yeah. Um, people are, people are saying, you know, you got to figure out how to love yourself. That's great. But tell me how to do that. Like, cause right now it just doesn't feel that way, you know? So being able, and, and you're right that the way to do that is just to identify the things that are imperfect about yourself, accept them and move on and realize that those things make you who you are. And we can talk about it and it's so much easier to say than it is to do, but it has to be done if we want to find success or fulfillment in any area of our lives for sure. Yeah. And it comes back to what I was saying about pausing is it, it's tricky because if you're, if you're doing it, to fix yourself to be better yeah it doesn't work that way you're bypassing it you know well and i think not only are you bypassing it but by saying that you want to be better you're implying that you're not good enough as you are and there's always room for improvement in everything that you do but it should come from a place of wanting to reach a higher level not of wanting to replace who you are or be better because you're not happy with who you are yes so it should be i'm happy with where i'm at now um, but there's so much more for me to accomplish so how do i get there not when i get there i will be happy or fulfilled or yeah. successful. Yeah. Um, just something that came alive for me right now. Um, in the past, up until recently, I've had a lot of stories about body image. That's something that I've carried from childhood. And really a journey for me in this lifetime is to heal that. And I'm healing that. And I just remember like something that I used to do is I would like meditate and I would unconsciously, really unconsciously think, okay, I'm doing this because I know it's going to fix this. It's like going to fix this story that I have, but like, that's why I'm doing this. And I didn't see it at first. Like I didn't see it for a while until I got really clear on what I was doing. It was just, it was just really interesting that like I was literally doing the meditations and stuff thinking that it was going to fix this, like this was going to be fixed through doing that inner work of meditating. It was going to work, which instead what I've realized is that when those stories come up, when they actually happen, like for example, on Sunday, I had this reoccurring story of just like being conscious of how I looked. I literally stop and like notice what's going on. And I just sit and I say, this is really hard for me right now. This is, it's, it's happening again. And this is hard. Like wow. I have this, I have this story going and I know that it's outside of me that I'm bigger than this story it just feels really heavy and it's hard right now. And Being able to acknowledge that is huge. Yeah. Because otherwise those stories run our life. Yeah. So anybody who listens to me or has talked to me for more than like 10 minutes knows about my love affair with Brene Brown. So like she... It, I love her. And, and, it's, and it's basically because she is the place where I identify me beginning to take my life back. Um, and, and I've said that before in other podcasts that it was listening to her power of vulnerability that started this path for me. And then there's been so many things since then, but I always fall back to her and she has a new Netflix special, which I know you and I talked about. I think you were actually the one that told me about it. And she talks about the stories in our head. Oh, I don't know if I know about that. You should look it up if you don't, because she talks about this whole same thing about when her and her husband have arguments now 
they talk about the, the stories that are going on in their head because when you're arguing with somebody, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to equate that to yourself as well, when you're arguing with yourself or with another person, it is because there's a story in your head that probably has zero to do with reality. But that yeah. story in your head is so real that if you don't acknowledge it, it's going to drive everything that you do. Yeah. So another thing that you said that I really liked that I wanted to highlight and touch on and and have you kind of expand on if you want is this idea that being authentic with yourself is not about going out and sharing your story. It's um, because going out and like sharing your story with everybody is, it's not authenticity and it's not vulnerability. Mm -hmm. That's still just another flag or another um, wall that you're putting up of saying, okay, I didn't share before. Now I'm going to overshare. It's selecting what you want to share and selecting what you want to keep to yourself, but being honest with, with both sides of those. And I want to, I want to get your input on that. Yeah. It's interesting because it's just interesting. I feel like there's like different sides to it. I think it all comes down to intention what is the purpose of this sharing? Like, am I doing this sharing after I did the deeper work and this is the realization that I have? Or is it sharing to hopefully out of the sharing, I will come out the other side. Does that make sense? No, 100%. And I think for most, it's it's a combination of the two. I know for me, it's a combination of the two. This podcast was started after I had already done the work, after I had already done three years of work and I felt like I was finally in a point where I wanted to help other people by sharing parts of my story. But at the same time, there's also that hope um, and desire that I will gain some more clarity through the interviews that I do. So I think it's a combination of both, but that self-work has to be done first. I agree 100%. And our stories are so powerful. Like when I say, see the darkest parts of yourselves, like I want you to see those dark parts of yourselves and share them because when you share them and when you're vulnerable, it gives me the energy to be like, I can share what I've been through. Like it just clears the slate. Like I think that we're also afraid of being judged. So like the Uh moment that someone says, Hey, I did this and it makes me feel like crap or like just saying something that you might be judged for. It like clears, it neutralizes the energy and the other person is like, you've been through that too? Or wow, you know, I went through this and I felt like this afterwards. It just opens up possibilities. Oh yeah. And we convince ourselves all the times that we're the only people on the planet that have gone through whatever struggle it is that we're going through. So when we can share, when somebody shares, it allows us to realize that, um, that we're not alone and that we're not the only one that feels that way. And that we're all human. For sure. For sure. So, um, I want to talk about um, success and how you have defined success throughout the different stages in your life Mm -hmm. and how you define success now. What is your definition now and how has it changed throughout the different stages of your life? I guess what I kind of already said earlier is being able to be proud of yourself where you are regardless of the external world, regardless of what everything looks like regardless of how much money you're making, regardless of who you have in your relationship, regardless of anything, the, the state of bliss that you can get by simply being you is success and being able to stand in that. I love it. And then um, 
I don't want to put words in your mouth, but has that always been your definition of success? <laughs> no, <laughs> it hasn't. That was definitely created <laughs> as um, of recently. So part, so much of, um, I just feel like society has this idea of what success is and it's, it's generational. It changes through generations. So, you know, we can look back on, um, you know, my grandparents' generation and success was being able to go to work and come home and take care of your family. And, you know, as long as you had food on the table and you were taking care of your family, that was success. And then we moved into like my generation where it was, um, you need to go to school and you need to get this good job. And yeah, you want to be able to take care of your family, but what, you know, what success are you going to have in the professional world? And I feel, yeah. And I feel like now we're moving into with the millennial generation where for the first time society is trying to identify success as this, um, for lack of a better word, because I hate this analogy, this work-life balance Mm. and being happy in both areas of your life. Oh yeah. I I can see that. And the work, yeah, the work-life balance. Yeah. I don't like it. It's, it's too, it's too basic. Like I see the wheel and all of the different areas of your life, you know, your health, your wellness, your relationships, Mm -hmm. your job, and you can't weigh those. When I think of balance, I think of scales and there's more than two components to a balance. So the reason I bring up this idea of societal success is because I want to know whether there's ever been a time in your life where you have appeared successful to those around you and they've complimented you on being successful, yet you felt empty and how it affected you to receive those compliments when you weren't living what you considered your best life. Yeah. And definitely go back to when I was working at Merrill Lynch. Like every time I went to like a family function, networking, like anytime you throw a big name like that, Merrill Lynch, we were like, whoa. And then CFP, like throw that on top of there as well. Like, it's like, whoa, you're really, you know, you got it girl. Dang. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. So how did that make you feel when people said that? Like, what was your internal Mm -hmm. representation with that? I get it just, the only thing that I can think of is like, it literally just fueled me to keep, like, keep doing it. Like, I was like, yeah, I guess that's, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm on this path. It's, I just keep going that way. I keep chasing the carrot, (laughs) you know, get the job, get the money, get the husband, get the house and the kids. Wow. So was there ever a point in time where people would compliment you that you um, just felt like it was wrong? Yeah. And you just kept going? In that? Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. That's crazy. So I want to talk about comfort zones here for a minute because I despise comfort zones so much. Um, What do you do to push yourself out of your comfort zone in whatever area of life that you're working in? I put it on the calendar and I make it happen. Like let's, okay, I'll get it like on the court. I want to host um, a, an event, a yoga event. And I'm noticing that I'll put a date on my calendar and then it'll go further and then it'll go further. Yes. So the action, the action is like create the flyer and send it out to 10 people and then figure out the, the, the details. I so love it. Like putting it in, making it happen in the sense of like, you make the decision and then you make it the right decision. Yeah. I like it. So you you make sure that you are committed and that there are other people committed with you 
and then you have no choice but to push yourself forward. Yes. So I think that that's amazing and it's such a um, effective way to get this done. But I think when you do that, you have to have done the work to know that that's something that you really want to do. Um, and so it, is that normally something that you've done where you've gone through and said, okay, I know this is what I want to do. And the things that are holding me back is fear and wanting to stay in my comfort zone. So I'm just going to get it on the calendar and we'll go from there. Yeah, it's actually perfect that you asked that because with this event that I'm wanting to host, I'm weighing like, okay, is this really something that I want to do and I'm just not doing it because I'm scared or is it something that I don't really want to do? And that being in that indecisiveness leaks energy. And so it's like, you just got to get clear on if it's something that I want to do, then I put in the books and I make it happen. So really doing the inner work there to see what's coming up there around the event. Is it just that I'm nervous? And if I'm just nervous, then it's like, make it happen. Just throw out the invites and make it work. If there's something else, then it's like, okay, I got to do, I got to go deeper and see what's, what's coming up. What about failure? Can you talk about a time that you have failed in your life and it has actually turned out to be a driving force for you moving forward and you've gained something positive from it? I can really just go back to the financial advising. That's when I really feel like I, I failed myself. When I, on that first landmark forum, when I got super clear as to, I've been telling myself that I'm going to quit for two years. And that's when I was like, okay, this is actual failure. I'm failing myself right now. And that was a catalyst for change. I love it. Okay. So just a couple of final questions for you. Um, if you were to do anything other than what you're doing now, as far as a profession, what do you think it would be fun to attempt to do? A dancer. A dancer. What kind of dancer? Um, I feel like modern or contemporary. I like ballet though. Ballet is really intense. Like it's like sure. really intense. Um, yeah, I would be like an international dancer and salsa, bachata. I love it place. <laughs> Love it. Do you have a morning routine that you use to get your mindset right in the mornings? Yes. So this has been a routine that I have instilled. Every morning I wake up um, by 5.15 and I meditate. So I do at least 30 minutes of meditation. Um, I My first drink of water is water that I I fill with my words of what I'm inviting into my life, like courage, abundance, prosperity. So I, I literally fill the glass with that. And I, that's the first thing that I consume in the day. And then I go hop in the shower and the shower is both hot and cold. So I fluctuate from hot to very cold to get my body kind of waking up and it's really good for the nervous system. And then I go downstairs and I drink celery juice. So cold pressed celery juice is uh, like one of the first things that I drink in the morning and then I'll do some sort of movement. So I really like to get into my body. Um, so I'll do some sort of movement for about 15 to 20 minutes. And then I will either go for a walk or I will sit outside and do some journaling or reading or listening to an audio that I need to listen to. I really insist on giving myself an hour and a half to two hours in the morning without my phone without really talking to people, I'm kind of in my zone and I'm really getting in and honing in my state for the rest of the day. And I'm getting very clear on what results I'm producing for the day. I love it. You talked in the beginning of this interview about your love of personal development and the, all of the authors that you've read. Do you have a favorite? Jim Rohn. Okay. And, and Les Brown, those two are my favorite. 
And, and what is it about them that you think makes them stand out more than the others for you? They're just so personable. Like, like they it. just are so, I feel like they're so down to earth that you could just have a conversation with them. That's amazing. All right. Lastly, um, anybody who has not already met Corinne, she puts on these fantastic videos. Um, your, your live videos are amazing. I love watching them. So if anybody wants to find you on social media to learn more about who you are and what you're doing um, and how they could potentially be involved if they wanted to be, where can they find you? Yeah. So Facebook and Instagram are my two main platforms right now. I'm going to be uploading everything to YouTube as well. So Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube are all great places. And it's just Corinne Kibbett, my name. Perfect. And do you have the YouTube channel now, or is that something you'll be creating later? Yeah, it's, it's up there. Perfect. We will go ahead and um, throw those links in the show notes. I want to thank you for coming on. I feel like we talked about some really great things today. And, um, you know, I've just seen you grow through your journey so much, and I'm so impressed with the things that you've done. So I appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm very, very grateful. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.